Girl, you've got questions. Questions about your body and how to feel good in it, about your hormones and how to keep them in check. Questions about your sex life and your whole health. Can you imagine having a best girlfriend who was also a triple board certified OBGYN? A girlfriend doctor you could call and ask or tell her anything. Someone who could show you how to live any stage of life before, during, or after menopause in a big, bold, and beautiful way. Well, friends, I'm your girlfriend doctor. I believe you were meant to flourish and shine, to embrace life and awaken to all its possibilities. Let's get there together. Welcome to our show. Welcome back to the Girlfriend Doctor Show. Diabetes is something that has plagued my family history, both my maternal side and my paternal side. And it is a devastating disease. And one thing I didn't realize as a physician was that menopause is a risk factor for diabetes and heart disease. And if you've had a hysterectomy and or have had your ovaries removed, your risk is even higher. Now, I didn't know to consent patients for that, nor did I know that really, is it the fact that you have a hysterectomy or your ovaries removed that increases your risk for diabetes? Or is it the underlying mechanism for prediabetes and diabetes, the insulin resistance that increases exponentially as we age, that that results in a client getting a needing a hysterectomy because of estrogen dominance, dysfunctional uterine bleeding and having her ovaries removed as well. They always say the uterus and the ovaries are typically innocent bystanders to the overall hormonal milieu. And this is why as your girlfriend doctor, it is important to talk about this. So I want to share a masterclass I created a conversation around diabetes and pre-diabetes for women over 40. And what a powerful, what a powerful topic this is. I want to share it with you and give you some clear tools on how you can reverse this process. For the most part, I am talking about type 2 diabetes, which is essentially a lifestyle factor. The genes that we have that give us diabetes, um, our survival genes our leadership genes, our warrior genes, and are part of uh, how we evolved to survive as a species. So here we go. I know you'll enjoy this masterclass and have many questions to ask me. And I look forward to answering, addressing, and supporting you with them as my book, Menu Pause, is coming out and is a piece of the solution, a really big piece of the solution to empower you physiologically so that you can live your second spring of your life with joy, passion, energy, vibrancy, and lots of love. Here we go. Hello, everyone. I'm Dr. Anna Kabeka. I'm looking forward to sharing with you as much information as I've learned that I can share within this amount of time that we have together. Today, I'm presenting the Diabetes and Pre-Diabetes Masterclass for Women Over 40. I'm here to help you decrease your risk, rewrite your destiny, and we're going on a journey. I've got some powerful information to share And also, of course, we can only cover so much over the next 45 minutes, 60 minutes. 
and then how to take your next right step and doing more. So, and plus at the end, we're going to geek out with a little bit extra research. So first and foremost, disclaimer, um, of course, we have to do a disclaimer as a physician. So this information is for educational informational purposes and not intended as a diagnosis treatment or as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, and treatment. I honor your care, your um, one-on-one care with your physician, and that is critically important. So again, this information is to share with you some of what I've learned over my more than 30 years of medical practice and where I've helped and seen really empowering lifestyle and dietary changes as well as hormonal changes impact the lives of women tremendously in their future. So that's what I'm here to share. So turn up your speakers, grab a pen, close the door, get your notebook out and and let's go. You're going to want to take lots of notes here and listen to this. So I just want to let you know that you are in the right place. If you want to know the relationship between female hormones and diabetes, there's a powerful relationship here. And, you know, once we hit menopause and perimenopause, our risk for diabetes increases exponentially. So I'm going to share with you why that is. If you're curious how insulin is related to PCOS, dementia, and Alzheimer's, I've got some information for you. Again, empowering information. And If you're wondering what endocrine disruptors are and why they matter, especially when it comes to diabetes, I've, (laughs) we're going to, I'm going to address that too, as well as empowerment material. So which simple lifestyle and nutritional changes can really optimize your metabolism and what you can do to get empowered, stabilize your blood sugar and reduce your risk. So you ready? All right. So listen closely. This is really critically important. A lot of this research has come out, you know, really recently looking at the, the, you know, severity of it, the just tremendous severity of this. So it is estimated that by 2050, 2050, so less than 30 years from now, it's estimated. So when you're seeing your children or grandchildren growing up and having their children, it's estimated that one in three individuals will suffer, suffer from type two diabetes. That is if we don't do anything about this trend in the United States, diabetes is ranked as the number six, most common cause of death for females between ages 45 to 54 years old. And the number four common cause of death for females who are between 55 to 64 years old. There are 463 million people who have diabetes. And by 2045, it's estimated that number to skyrocket to 700 million. 90 to 95% of all diabetes cases are type two. And that is the type that I'm going to be talking about today. I'll be talking about type two diabetes and pre-diabetes will not be addressing type one diabetes in this, although much of what you gain from this information can be very helpful. So one in three adults right now have pre-diabetes. That means their hemoglobin A1C number is climbing up to a high enough number that they are also suffering from diabetes. That's a tremendous number. And also more than eight in 10 people don't even know that they have pre-diabetes. That is, that is just amazing information to me. Really, when we look at this, the prevalence of um, what we've seen is beyond diabetes, 
the prevalence of our optimal metabolic health. And we've seen this as we've gotten older, right? We've gained weight without doing anything different. Well, this is, um, this is not just not just women, but especially women in menopause, but men, children, we're seeing a complete prevalence of the decrease in optimal metabolic health in American adults. And there was a survey done. It's the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. And it said the prevalence of metabolic health in American adults is alarmingly low at 12.2%, even in normal weight individuals. So let's see what they classified as metabolic health. Well, they said optimal metabolic health is a um, waist circumference of 102 centimeters for men and 88 centimeters for women. And that is about 40 centimeters for a guy and 34 centimeters for a woman. I mean, sorry, 40 inches for a guy and 34 cent inches for a woman and really less than 32 inches. We would consider less than uh, certainly 32 inches for a woman and certainly less than 36 inches for a man would be more of the optimal level. So even these guidelines, we're looking at already, you know, borderline metabolically unhealthy individuals, as well as um, a glucose, a fasting glucose of less than 100, and a hemoglobin A1c of less than 5.7. And I would consider optimal fasting glucose less than 90 milligrams per deciliter and a hemoglobin of less than 5.4%, ideally less than 5.3% to be optimal, right? Not the normal, but the optimal, as well as blood pressure, a systolic of less than 120 and a diastolic of less than 80 and triglycerides of less than 150. And really let's, let's drop those triglycerides down to less than a hundred, as well as an HDL greater than 40 for men and greater than 50 for women and uh, not taking any related medication. So that's what was considered metabolically healthy. So with those considerations already on the borderline, 12.2%, 12.2% of us. And so this is why this is so serious and why I'm really um, grateful to be here with you and talking about this information. So as we age, there's different symptoms that we experience and we can, and these symptoms affect our quality of life. That's what QOL is up here, quality of life. And there can be many symptoms from fatigue, sleeplessness, brain fog, memory loss, no sex drive, gaining weight without doing anything different or you know, and lose and difficulty losing weight or weight loss resistance. Things we've tried before are no longer working, not to mention the moodiness and um, skin changes, adult acne. No, thank you. What about hair loss, sleep issues? I mean, I experienced all of these symptoms at one time and I'll get a little bit into my story as we go, but all of these symptoms affect our, our quality of life. And, um, they worsen as one of the key markers for blood sugar control worsens. And that is um, the key marker of insulin, insulin resistance. So when I work with women, and I worked with tens of thousands of women in my one-on-one practice, as well as millions of women online, I, I tell I always want to tell her and tell I tell this to you too, that menopause is a time to open up, not shut down. The Japanese say menopause, um, they use the word konenki for second life. And it's a time of regeneration 
renewal, right? That sounds so much better. And so let's optimize our body to get into that. So menopause is that time to emerge from the cocoon as the beautiful butterfly, not the moth. Another thing is by the time we've reached menopause, we've lived a life and experienced trauma. We're, and I know each and every one of you has a journey, has your own story, and are strong, smart, and equipped to deal what life has, shown, has thrown at, at you. So the women during this time of life are savvy consumers too, looking for real life solutions that make her feel more energized, vital, sexy, and beautiful. And I imagine that's why you're here too. You want to feel energized, vital, sexy, beautiful. You want to play with your children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, get on the floor, get dirty, get up on horseback, enjoy all that life has to offer. And I want you to do the same thing. There's no reason why you won't be able to in following these these uh, tips that I'm going to share with you a little bit, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure, you know, the old saying, and no matter what you're dealing with, you can lead a better, healthier, more vibrant life. And I, I, I will share with you that I know, cause I've been there and I've helped so many people through this journey. So you're in the right place, girlfriends. You really are. Let's get started here. I'll tell you a little bit about me. I'm Dr. Anna Kabeca. I am a triple board certified physician, and I trained in obstetrics and gynecology at Emory University. And from there, I went on to board certifying in anti-aging and regenerative medicine and then integrative medicine. And through my own personal health journey from being really sick, diagnosed with early menopause at age 39 and irreversible infertility, I literally went on a journey around the world looking for answers to find solutions. And, um, and I found them reversed early with, I would say with, with the grace of God, I reversed early menopause, became pregnant and delivered a beautiful baby girl at age 41. And my journey was only beginning I've continued to learn and study and research. I'm in my mid fifties now and loving my life with best relationships ever and healthier than ever. I watch my metabolic mo uh, markers and something to look at. And I have diabetes on both sides of my family. I'm also, uh, before I get too far ahead of myself here, I'll share with you. I've also created solutions where none existed because I needed to find answers for me and my patients and they weren't in my doctor's bag. And so, so with that, I've created my products, Mighty Maca Plus, which is a a over 30 superfoods combined to really work to help your adrenals to support alkalinity and detoxification, support the gut and, and so many good things and certainly energy and libido naturally. And my Jolva cream is um, my feminine cream that I created to help women uh, as we get older, deal with the accidental leaks when we cough and sneeze and dryness and um, improve pleasure, increase pleasure. I've created programs such, and I also have a keto green line of supplements as well that have zero grams of sugar because we don't need any extra sugar. So I've created programs called Breeze Through Menopause, Sexual CPR, Magic Menopause, and my best-selling books are The Hormone Fix, Keto Green 16, and soon to be released, Menopause. So my journey came from my story of, of my own struggle. And what makes me an expert in this area of diabetes and pre-diabetes, certainly as an OBGYN, especially working at a tertiary 
you know, hospital at Ivory Tower, Emory University, we were the referral center for many complicated cases, pregnant uh, women with diabetes and renal failure, and, and the list goes on. So as obstetricians, we manage our patients' diabetes all through pregnancy. But I first learned about diabetes as a young teenager. When my mom was diagnosed with diabetes, she was in her 40s, I was in my early teens, And before I knew it, she was starting injections of insulin and she diagnosed, I remember clearly because I we were playing outside and she had this lesion on her leg and she was just like, you know, it's been going on for two weeks and it's just not healing. And that's often, you know, how diabetes creeps up on us. All of a sudden we're not healing as well. We're thirsty all the time. Or, you know, and, and tired and gaining weight or having difficulty losing weight. And, um, and so those are some of the symptoms that can indicate that you're having prediabetes or diabetes, but definitely the loss of the difficulty in wound healing. So she had gone to the doctor and found out that lo and behold, she was diabetic. So from that early exposure and then being an early minded scientist, I wanted to learn everything I could about diabetes and what that really means for someone and how we can more importantly prevent it. But also, um, I went into medical practice as an OBGYN into a small area in Georgia. Uh, As a National Health Service Corps scholar, I went to this area called McIntosh County. It's a very rural area outside of Brunswick, Georgia, in southeast Georgia, about an hour or so below Savannah. And it's a shrimping village. And I was the first specialist in that area. I was the first female doctor. There was another family physician in the local state clinic. And um, and that was it. And so I saw patients for everything. They didn't have anywhere else to go. And certainly managing blood sugar, managing diabetes and pregnancy, that is an expertise. I want to share a little bit story how this com- has affected all parts of my life. Plus, I was in a pre early pre-diabetic stage in my late 30s, early 40s as well. And, um, and I have I've checked genetics and I have cardiovascular disease and diabetes as high risk on my genetic profile. So I have not escaped the genetic luck that way. But again, there's a reason for it. If we are prone to diabetes, if we are prone, if we are prone to conserving glucose, we are warrior body types. And that's what I love to tell my clients who come in with, um, you know, these types of these symptoms, you typically have a warrior body type. Maybe there's a Native American, maybe you're um, from like, I'm from a half Middle East, half Portuguese. And there's a, a an evolutionary survival reason for this conservation. Like we can survive in times of famine. That's a good thing, unless you're living in America today. But don't worry. We're going to have some workarounds here that give us a quality of life. So through the journey of my mom, when I was 16, my mom was 52, and she was undergoing her first heart surgery. At, at in her uh, 50s, and one of her many, many, I mean, probably a couple dozen trips to the hospital to, you know, have procedures to be taken care of to be as an inpatient in the hospital, through my adult years, there were, you know, dozens, dozens of visits 
there. And I am here today because of her in life and death and her inspiration to me and to uh, my work and why I'm here giving you a free masterclass, why I'm writing my books and, and sharing my programs and so committed to helping you and be empowered because no one should suffer like she suffered. No one should suffer probably like you're suffering right now. And if you are, there's, you can get better. You can turn this around and you, you're not alone. And it's not a destiny. If diabetes runs in your family, it's not your destiny. Let's understand the survival reason for it and let's work around it. And we're going to do that today. I miss my mom every day. She died undergoing her second heart surgery, God rest her soul. And she was only 67 years old. She didn't get to know all her grandchildren. She didn't get to do what she was so destined to do. A brilliant woman. She followed the guidelines that were set forth for her by our modern medical system. I was in Emory when she died and I had the best care for her. She was being treated by her doctors in in Philadelphia and um, she had the best care, but yet no one looked at the underlying causes. So as I dealt with my grief over her loss, I dug into the research, what was going on at the time of her death, she was on 11 medications, no two of which were ever studied in study together for the effects of those two medications, let alone 11 medications together. One thing was treated, you know, by another and every symptom or side effect of a medication was treated by another medication. And again, she had the best doctors. Dad was military, Navy retired. They had, he had great well-meaning physicians who only have what's in our doctor bag, unless you know, we've been to hell and back like I have. And I always say, I wish knowing the journey I've been on to have the tools that I have. And that's why I'm here sharing them. But more importantly, I share them with physicians, but I'm here to share them with you. The other big part of of this story is that when we look, when I started thinking about the underlying issues, if I looked at her life, I mean, she had um, postpartum depression, so early hormonal imbalance. She was an older mom. So in her thirties, She was uh, in her 30s when she had me and um, postpartum depression. And then from there, uh, put on medication such as Elevil, for instance, and that can affect your insulin resistance. Add that to a genetic family history of diabetes. And before you knew it, she was getting diabetes and then heart disease. And what I, I saw as this evolved, right, from postpartum depression, hormone imbalance, hormones were never addressed ever, ever. So from postpartum depression to early diabetes, to heart disease, and to a very, very tough last 15 years of her life, a very tough, unfair last 15 years of her life. So if we look at that and we think, okay, where could I have intervened? And as a physician and a scientist, I looked and I said, well, postpartum depression could have been treated by progesterone. She most likely had some estrogen dominance and some thyroid dysfunction at the same time. So optimizing her thyroid and working with her genetic body type as a um, first generation American, as immigrants to the US, as Native Americans, as many ethnicities know, African Americans, Hispanics, many of us know 
that we have a genetic, pre, there's a genetic predisposition for survival, for being warriors, for being Amazonian, to live in, in scarcity. We, we are designed this way. And that's not a bad thing, except when you're living in America, take, doing the sad diet, standard American diet. So other things following the American Diabetic Association, which was a lot of fruits. Fruits have fructose. Fructose increase. I mean, that's sugar. Fructose is a sugar, just like eating a candy bar is a sugar. And my mom was a baker. So she definitely had a sweet tooth. We had the most amazing sweets. Well, that's for another time. So, so, but she eliminated that, but she was able to have fruits. And again, fruits, fructose converts, we now know to uric acid, uric acid increases metabolic dysfunction. So in weight gain and leads to diabetes and heart disease. So, so even some healthy things were the issue. And then three meals, three snacks, detrimental recommendation to her. And I am staunchly and and strongly against that eating pattern. And I'll, I'll go more into that and give you some more science behind it. But let me tell you two meals, three meals a day, in the perimenopause and beyond, definitely postmenopause is plenty. It's plenty and it's important because what was happening with these recommendations that so the American Diabetic Association to, you know, still often um, shares today is causing increased insulin resistance. Every time you eat, there's an increase in glucose, there's an increase in insulin, your cells kind of like shut down to hearing all this, you know, insulin, you become insulin resistant, so to speak. And um, you get higher and higher levels of glucose, but high levels of insulin is a hormone disruptor in and of itself. So this is the challenge that so many of us have faced in medicine based on the recommendations and working with, with patients and still understanding the power of the genetics of it all. So here, there are a few types of diabetes I want to go over. There's prediabetes, and that is typically when your di- your hemoglobin A1C is 5.7 to 6.7, and there's type 1 diabetes, and that's the really an immune type of diabetes where there's pancreatic cell failure, and that is a separate type of diabetes we're not talking about. Type 2 diabetes um, can be with insulin or non-insulin requiring and is often what we now know to be more of a lifestyle cause of diabetes. And then there's gestational diabetes, which means diabetes in pregnancy. So those are the different types of diabetes and that there are and that we're going to address Today, we're going to focus on type two. So I want to talk about the relationship between female hormones and diabetes. What's really fascinating is when, as we're aging, right, as we're aging, we're experiencing those symptoms that I mentioned above, the hot flashes. Can any of you relate to this picture here? The standing in front of the fridge, opening your, or freezer, opening your robe. I tell you, I like, I like winter here in, in Dallas. I go out on my balcony and it's nice and cool and chill. And you love those moments, but there's hot flashes, night sweats, mood swings, irritability, all those symptoms. And this is a sign of body transition. Now, menopause is natural. Suffering is optional and it can start as early as in your mid thirties. So whatever time 
timeline, wherever you are on this timeline, just know that there's this information is going to help you. And as I mentioned at the end, I'm going to share with you some great nutrition tips, some additional ways, have a new book coming out and um, some more research. So, so this is our hormonal timeline. As we start to age, our hormone progesterone, this top red line here starts to dip significantly. And this is where we see an increase in these symptoms and this associated with estrogen dominance, but more so than that, it's associated with increasing insulin resistance, increasing insulin resistance. And this is that turn time, this turntable time, when we start to catch up with men with heart disease and cardiovascular disease and diabetes. I want to illustrate is that one of the things that's so important, what's happening during the shift is as we age, we become more insulin resistant naturally. Like our reproductive hormones are going down and our insulin is going up. So that's why it's so important to switch the way we're doing things. And um, but what's really fascinating has been this issue of glucose metabolism in the brain. So how do women have two times as much Alzheimer's than men? Why is that, you know, why is that a reason? So glucose metabolism in the brain is decreasing as our hormones decrease. So as progesterone and estrogen decreases, our um, glucose metabolism in the brain decreases. And this is because glucose metabolism in the brain is dependent on estrogen. So as we become, as we lose these hormones, and it goes beyond that because you know it takes more than hormones to fix our hormones. What happens during this time as glucose metabolism in the brain is is falling, our symptoms in perimenopause are increasing. So that's the hot flashes, the mood swings. These are endocrine and neurological symptoms. And this time of perimenopause through menopause is a time of neuroendocrine vulnerability. And so it's really important that we become as insulin sensitive as possible. And not just that, but switch to using, switch to using um, ketones for fuel over glucose for the majority of the time, for a good, at least 50% of the time, that metabolic flexibility is so important. And it's crucial to create that insulin sensitivity and brain health. So, so our, we use glucose for fuel, we have circulating blood sugar all the time. And our brain like soaks it up. It is the, you know, most rapid metabolizer and user, let's say it's the hungriest organ in our body for glucose. Now, when glucose, we don't have high, higher levels of circulating glucose, we're not getting as much from our food into our bloodstream, then our body switches to from carbohydrate metabolism to fat metabolism to using ketones. And so with ketones, whether we're getting it from our food, from our fats in our food, or we're getting it from our own fat, we switch to creating ketones. And this ketone metabol, this, we get, get into the state of ketosis. And the use of ketones for fuel in the brain is not hormone dependent. So all of a sudden we get our, our mood becomes more stable. We're less hungry. We have better willpower. We have amazing strength and, and just improvement, intelligence, memory, all of these things come back and we see the fat loss. If we're doing, if we're getting into ketosis in a healthy 
in a healthy way. So that's an amazing finding. So that was such an aha moment for me when I was experiencing second menopause at age 48. And I was experiencing those symptoms patients came into me experiencing the, the hot flashes, the weight loss you know, resistance, in fact, weight gain without doing anything different, a gain of over 18 to 20 pounds in what seemed like overnight, right? And, and what I use, what used to work wasn't working. And not to mention the brain fog, the irritability can't have any of that when you're raising daughters, let me just tell you, that took me on this journey. And as I got into a healthy ketogenic state, which I call keto alkaline or keto green state using plant-based foods, as well as healthy fats and high quality protein, along with intermittent fasting, these combination of nutrition and lifestyle was epic. That helped me lose 18 of the 20 pounds in six weeks really, very quickly and gain my memory and clarity back. And it felt the peace that surpasses all understanding, as it says in the Bible. So nothing in my external environment changed, but my ability to handle it did. And this is in sharp contrast to, I know many patients come in and say, Dr. Anna, I am just losing it. I don't know why I'm overreacting in this way. I feel like it wouldn't have bothered me a few years ago. And now it's just this, like, it makes me so angry or this monster inside me just flares up for no reason. I don't know if you can relate, but if you can, I mean, I get it. I've been there. And so through the journey I saw my mother go on through her health with not a good outcome and so much love left to give and knowing what I was experiencing and where I was spiraling down right along that same pathway, I really became just so vocal about this keto green method that I created. I created my magic menopause program, had thousands of people who have been in it and have done amazing just to learn this information, let alone millions of more exposed to my keto green method. And that's what I want you to understand. It's not just about what we eat, but that's important. It's also when we eat. So with that intermittent fasting, so we can get our body into ketosis, so we can become more insulin sensitive so we don't have the um, impairment of using glucose that creates the sequelae of disease, the diabetes, the hypertension, the heart disease, the cancer, the dementia, the Alzheimer's, the autoimmune diseases, all of this is, is known to be part of the insulin resistance. And we, with a genetic family history, and uh, are at a greater are at a greater risk. And so doing everything we can to improve and empower our genetics as, a, as opposed to let it be our downfall is really important. So the next thing is why menopause and perimenopause can increase your risk. And this is where we've seen that exactly what I've been talking about, that change in those hormones, that decline in progesterone, that decline in estrogen, testosterone, and DHEA. Those are testosterone and DHEA are anabolic hormones. They really are pro hormone. DHEA is a pro hormone produced by our adrenal glands back here at top of our kidneys. And testosterone is downstream from DHEA and converts to estrogen as well. And we need progesterone for all of those because progesterone and pregnenolone are our mother hormones. And with their decline, we have to support our adrenal glands more than anything. So we have to 
normalize cortisol. In other words, we have to de-stress as a way of life. You know, what we create perceived, what we can't control, let go or create perceived controls around it so that we can have more you know, healthy hormones because cortisol is the most acidifying hormone in our body. It's catabolic. It breaks us down. And you may have been feeling that over the last year or two with the chronic everyday stress, what's happening next, worry from the pandemic stress, and that can increase cortisol, which further depletes progesterone. So we see a lot more menstrual irregularities, difficulty with concept, with conceiving, with having a, and having a baby. And so as well as rapid aging, you can just look at every president before and after office, and you can see that they age three to four times as quickly as they would have otherwise. So graying of hair and all that, we want none of that. But cortisol is acidifying. And the contrary, the hormone oxytocin is alkalinizing. It's love, connection, spiritual trust, all of these things, laughter, pleasure, orgasm, increase our body's oxytocin, which is alkalinizing. And so these concepts I put into the keto green way. So menopause and perimenopause are um, increase our diabetes risk because of the decline in the protective hormones, as well as the increase in insulin and cortisol naturally as we age. So again, lifestyle factors and nutrition really make a difference here. Um, very important research has shown that, you know, not just like natural menopause, but menopause that's produced surgically. So the risk of incidence of diabetes in postmenopausal women, if they've had a hysterectomy, again, seeing in perimenopause and perimenopause right around menopause, we start to get increasing in diabetes and a huge increase in diabetic risk. But women who have had hysterectomy only, but had their ovaries maintained, not such a big risk in diabetes. And women who have had a hysterectomy and their ovaries and significantly increased risk. So hysterectomy only, we still get that increased risk. But if you've had your um, uterus removed, an even higher increased risk. And if you've had your uterus and ovaries removed, you have a significantly more increased risk. And so while we see this, we need to understand we want to, whether if we've had our ovaries removed, even more important that we optimize our hormones, our body's natural adrenal DHEA hormone, progesterone, pregnenolone, and work with the lifestyle factors to really address um, insulin resistance that is creating these increases, significant increases in diabetes. And if you haven't had your hemoglobin A1C measured lately, it's one of the things I recommend to be measured regularly. Again, a critical finding. And um, insulin is related to PCOS, dementia, and Alzheimer's because as we age, the insulin, we become more and more insulin resistant. We become more and more insulin resistant and, and that increases our risk of Alzheimer's and dementia. We call Alzheimer's and dementia type three diabetes, type three diabetes for this reason. And again, this like my PCOSers, the polycystic ovarian syndrome, you have like warrior body type, you have warrior genes, you're meant to be like out in nature and doing endurance activities and weight, strong weight bearing exercises and 
you are leaders, generally natural born leaders, higher levels of testosterone, but you're not designed to be sitting on a couch eight, nine, 10 hours a day. You're not designed to be inside without natural sunlight. You're not designed to be eating food out of a box or grains or carbs. So this is critical to understand. And that's why we call Alzheimer's type three diabetes. So men and women are different, right? I'm stating the obvious here, but I love to. Because oftentimes the research that is extrapolated for women was done on men. And we have to recognize my uh, this huge difference. And when we look at age and cardiovascular risk in and diabetes, and we look at women compared to men, I mean, again, in that perimenopause is where we start to see this swoop in the curve. When we start to become, have more hormonal changes, we start to see this higher increase. And then if you have diabetes, your risk for cardiovascular disease goes up exponentially. If you don't have diabetes, your risk is um, lower. Still, as we age, we still have an increase in risk. But if you have diabetes, your risk for cardiovascular disease is two to three times higher. And that's really critical information. We are different than men. And this swoop in the curve comes up when we're in those perimenopausal years. So taking action now, and I say with the keto green way is critically important. And, um, and I want to share with you the simple lifestyle and nutritional tips that can optimize your metabolism and also what you can do to get empowered, stabilize your blood sugar and reduce your risk. And again, I've, um, citations for those article for those presentation for the points I've made to support this as well as just what I've seen clinically over three decades of medical care. And, and that's not including the years as um, uh, working in the hospital and doing research, scientific research and medical research and all of that stuff. So 30 years as a, as a doctor. So I want to share this with you because it's so empowering to be able to um, take control of your health naturally and actually reduce your reliance on medications. You do go off medications on your own, do that with your doctor. But I have seen over and over again, patients getting off of medications and improving their markers. I want the same for you. So I've talked a little bit about keto green, my keto alkaline keto green plan. And this is a good example of a keto green plate. They have vegan plans and omnivore plans, which are really Great. And one of the things is that when in I started this journey and was going through my second menopause at 48, and, and I should mention that at one point I was well over 240 pounds. I had tremendous hair loss back to here, stress-related hair loss, right? Hormonal hair loss. And that's devastating to experience. Everything I'm sharing with you now is the way to get control of all those hormonal symptoms, plus decrease your risk of diabetes, pre-diabetes, improve your numbers and improve your quality of life so that you feel energized and able to conquer the day and enjoy your life and enjoy your, your passions. My mom wasn't able to, she, I wish she was alive today because she would just love, love, love life and love her grandkids and all this stuff. So I write about this first in my, in my own personal journey in my first book, The Hormone Fix, and then on into Keto Green 16, my second best-selling book, thank you. And it works with 16 hours of intermittent fasting with the Keto Green approach. And again, becoming more insulin sensitive, seeing your body 
improve its really metabolic health and met and metabolic markers. And this is what's so beautiful. It's really beautiful. This is zoodles, zucchini noodles. So it's it's again, we in the keto green, keto alkaline way, we don't use uh, gluten or grains. But we make great substitutions. So these are zucchini noodles in a pesto sauce that I cooked up in my NutriBullet blender there with um, scallops that are just sautéed and they have cardamom on them. So just again, alkalinizing, nutrient-rich, doused in olive oil. I love olive oil and a little squirt of lemon juice on there. And it just makes it so beautiful and delicious and hormone balancing. And you get And what you see as you improve, as you get into this keto green way of living, the keto alkaline way of living, you get an improved organ function, improved health markers. Like I'll I'll give you four of them that I specifically follow. And you have less reliance and reduced dosages of medication and improvements in all blood health markers, as well as our body performs better and functions better. You can see, get into your happy weight, right? Where you're happy and you feel good. You feel energized. You're not deprived. And the keto green way helps us do that. This is one of my clients from my magic menopause program. She makes me smile. Her name is Debbie. She was two, over 205 pounds before she started working with the keto green approach in my magic menopause program. That's a virtual online program that you do yourself for eight weeks. And um, you get a couple months in the girlfriend doctor club and get live interaction with me. And you're really looking at, you learn how to, embrace this lifestyle in an in-depth, very in-depth masterclass. So she was over 205 pounds, her joints and knees ached. She had pain walking around, couldn't walk, climb up the bleachers for her favorite sports games. And she had hot flashes and night sweats hourly. Her two of her key blood markers were her HSCRP was 32.7 and her hemoglobin A1C was 5.7. Well, working with the keto green way. And she lost more than 55 pounds. She had no more joint pain, active and happy, no more hot flashes. And her HSCRP, her inflammatory market went down from 32, which is terribly high. We don't like to see it over three and was at 2.0. And her hemoglobin A1C dropped from 5.7 pre-diabetic to normal, 5.4, 5.4, just optimal, right? And that's what we want to see. So we move from going into an acidic lifestyle, just not just what we eat, but acidic foods like sugar, fructose, or, you know, fructose, or think about like artificial sweeteners too, highly acidic in in our artificial sodas, um, diet sodas. Uh, carbohydrates, grains, dairy, acidic, of course, meats are acidic. So we need to balance the good acidic foods, some of the ones we eat, like our our proteins, our good quality proteins, and sometimes incorporating certain fruits, again, lower glycemic fruits, and adding the alkalinizers in there, the herbs and spices, the sprouts, the beet greens, the kale, the avocado, the asparagus, all these that are broccoli, cauliflower, these are good for hormone detoxification too. But also, so the acidic, like I always think of, think of acidity, like living in a city, like New York City, very stressed, not 
you know, high stress, high smog, not much green. And an al- alkaline environment, think about the Amazon, waterfalls, lush green forest and plants everywhere, foliage everywhere. It's just gorgeous. And it's also true with thoughts. Acidic thoughts are fear, anger, worry, and that increases cortisol. And that's the acidic hormone. And alkaline thoughts, which are love, generosity, giving, laughter. Those are things that increase oxytocin. So you see where there's a component of in order to optimize our lifestyle, in order to optimize our hormones and improve our quality of life in general and and control, if we're already diagnosed with diabetes, control it and not let it progress any further and possibly reverse it. Oh, more than possibly, right? I would like bet on it. Follow this way. We will see an improvement usually within two weeks. And so you'll see these shifts. We can see this transition very quickly. And if you're pre-diabetic or you have a family history, start doing these things now. Don't wait. And it goes beyond what we eat, right? Beyond what we eat, when we eat. So to get into ketosis, we eat low-carbohydrate foods, like I mentioned, and two or three meals a day with 16 hours intermittent fasting, 13 to 16, sometimes 18. Sometimes we're at one meal a day, but we really work that fasting muscle. You don't do it overnight. You do slowly as a diabetic. And I teach you how to do that slowly. And you check your urine pH and ketones. We want to get into ketosis, but if we're not testing, we're guessing. But even more importantly, this um, green pad here, it's measure of your urine pH. And the more alkaline your urine pH is, the more uric acid you're pushing from your body. And uric acid is one of the things that we know, especially from the work of Dr. Johnson and the new book, Drop Acid by Dr. David Perlmutter, that talks about how uric acid is the key, was a survival mechanism, how we sustain, we evolved to survive tremendous famine and scarcity, but it no longer serves us. So as our body increases uric acid, it creates metabolic dysfunction. And we don't have to be over eight, overweight to see this happen. And also happens in children. So, but alkaline urine pH, where we're showing some it's a biomarker. It's like taking your temperature, taking your pulse. It's showing how you're interacting with your environment so that the higher alkalinity, we know that you're managing cortisol because cortisol is going to increase urine acidity. And that's why it's important to measure urine pH. And as we increase our urine pH, we're also pushing out uric acid. So for the long haul, it is really important. All those keto users out there that aren't or keto dieters, where you get into trouble, where you start gaining weight, this is why. It's increasing uric acid. So we have to balance it out with the alkaline foods and lifestyle to really make a difference. So it's the whole combination of uric acid and diabetes in metabolic syndrome. So it's not just about what we eat. It is about when we eat, who we're eating with, if we're stressed out when we're eating, and it could the quality of what we eat, what we eat ate, if they were injected with hormones and antibiotics, I mean, that affects us, pesticides, herbicides. So it's not just about what we eat. There are so many things that affect your hormones. Sleep, if you're not getting a good night's sleep, and this is true for children, it increases our risk for obesity. 
obesity. And as we get older, sleep is even more important. It is more important. Maybe you've, you've lived on a, a short number of sl- hours of sleep for so long. You've had good hormonal control, now, hormonal balance maybe. But now as you get older, those protective hormones decline, even with hormone replacement. And I write about that in my book, The Hormone Fix, because I say it takes more than hormones to fix your hormones. And it's so true. But there are hormone-disrupting chemicals too, endocrine disruptors that are really affecting your body's ability to um, have a healthy metabolism. It affects the, the cells at the mitochondrial level, the powerhouse of the cells, and disrupts the ability to detox hormones and to create energy, ATP molecules. And this is the pandemic in America today with hundreds of thousands of chemicals. And it's estimated that before we leave the house in the morning, routinely, an average American is putting on over 100 chemicals on their body between soap, face creams, shampoo, conditioners, and these are hormone disruptors. That is why at every level, it's not sometimes not about doing more, it's about doing less. So choosing things that are, are natural in so many ways. And so this is where endocrine disruptors really are affecting us. And this research was just published in the Journal of Biomedicine, and it looked at endocrine disrupting chemicals and insulin resistance in children. And it showed that epidemiologic studies show a statistical link between exposure to pesticides, polychlorinated bisphenols, bisphenol A, such as in our hard plastics and shopping store receipts, phthalates, there are plastic bottles and aromatic polycyclic hydrocarbides, like for example, in fire resistant clothing and or dioxins and insulin resistance. All of those affect insulin resistance. So it's not just about what we eat. We have to look at this as a very holistic approach. So if someone is still telling you, eat less, exercise more, they have got it wrong. They have got it wrong. There's so much more. And then there's a generational fact. There's from in the womb and then. I'm not giving any mom any more maternal guilt than we already have, right? That's born born as soon as we see that uh, positive pregnancy test. But it's also, no matter how old we are, these endocrine disruptor disrupting chemicals are affecting our insulin resistance, increasing more insulin resistant, the more diabetes, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, etc. So shifting to insulin sensitivity, and adding things into our program that help your body detox from these chemicals and eliminate them. It's part of the prescription. It's absolutely part of the prescription. So I wanted to share that with you. Stress is a huge endocrine disruptor because it depletes our neuroprotective hormone, progesterone and pregnenolone. It depletes those. And then we become, we have that more memory loss, irregular cycles, breast cancers, et cetera, with this higher levels of stress. We want to recognize that's a huge endocrine disruptor. Often we can't, there are certain things we can't control, but a urology professor in medical school, he told me, he said, Dr. Anna, you are the only one who can upset yourself. And I was like, oh no, my boyfriend at the time, he can really piss me off. And he said, nope, you choose how you react. You choose how you react. And he's absolutely, was absolutely right. You, we choose how we can respond. So there's also the serenity prayer, which I really love. God grant me the serenity 
to accept the things I cannot change, change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. And that's really powerful. So writing this down on your pad and paper, putting a line down the middle, top of it, stress. And what are things that stress you? And what can you do to control it? What just gain control or change your perspective around it? And sometimes it's about instead of I have to deal with this, Nate, like I have to deal with taking out the trash every day. That's a stressor. I don't like to do it. Maybe it's like, get to do it. Thank goodness I have things to put in the trash. <laughs> I'm creating some things. I have some, yeah. So how you can change your attitude around it. And for me, it's a lot of faith and prayer. There are also things that affect you, even things that you never thought of that can affect your day-to-day quality of life. So this is where it's really important to understand. And vitamin D is so important for blood sugar control. You don't hear about it as first-line therapy for blood sugar control, but look, in your 30s, I don't care, in your 20s, I want to know your vitamin D level. So let alone in your 60s, and especially if you've been diagnosed with breast cancer or diabetes or heart disease, or you have aches and pains or memory loss, first and foremost, I'm going to check your vitamin D. These are one of those markers I told you that I really want to know. So one of them is vitamin D. The second is HSCRP, which is an inflammatory marker. And the third is hemoglobin A1C. So those are three of the top ones that you can order yourself. There's um, some labs that you can order that from and I have information on my website about that. You can self-order, get your doctor to order them for you. And that's critically important. The other, so as our vitamin D levels increase, our risk for pretty much all kinds of diseases and cancers decreases significantly. It used to be that over 20, that was normal vitamin D level, but that's only because less than 20, you were diagnosed with rickets. But we can see that heart attacks, breaks and fractures multiple sclerosis, breast cancer, renal cancer, all cancers, type one diabetes decrease as you approach 60 nanograms per milliliter of vitamin D in the blood. And this is why I want every one of you to know this. It it really does also for type two diabetes. We know that vitamin D works as well as metformin and the two together work very well together in helping with insulin resistance and prediabetes and diabetes. So that's, that's powerful. And if you're, you don't have a prescription of metformin, berberine can help. So, but vitamin D is first line. And, and you need to know it. And if it's less than 50, you need to be checking it every three to four months until you get it up over 50. And if you have any diseases of diabetes, heart disease, I want it closer to 60 to 80 nanograms per ml. Let's really at least, and for immune system, higher levels of vitamin D, less risk of COVID. So uh, flu, colds, and bacterial infections. So this is what you can do right now. You can get keto green. So, and you're in my network now, so you'll hear about this all the time. And of course I have my books and my new book coming out is menu pause. I'm going to share that with you and you can get that right away. And so getting keto green is an important aspect of going into this lifestyle. And it's not just about what we eat, but that's a piece of it. These other factors too. Intermittent fasting, crucial to help you with prediabetes and diabetes, making sure that you really work on alkalinizing and improving healthy fats as you cut back those carbs and then work into intermittent fasting to 
12, 13, 16, start, start gradually. Don't just jump in because when we just jump into fasting, our hormone ghrelin, which is our hunger hormone spikes. And that's really challenging because that's your hunger hormone. So you get this like nasty and hungry. And so that's where you really want to work. Fasting is a muscle you need to work up to. And especially if you, if you are on insulin, you want to do this with a continuous glucose monitor, get that from your doctor. It's a little patch that goes on your arm that measures your blood sugars over time. And so you're able to watch it in real time pretty much and see what your blood sugar is doing. Because if you're on insulin, you're going to need to be backing down off that. So your doctors and nurses at, at your clinic that's monitoring you needs to be watching you with this. And you need to be watching yourself. I mean, you're smart. You're intelligent. You're powerful. I mean, you're a dynamite. You're a survivor. That's how we're here. So this is something you can take into your control. Take your power back. And so that's really critical. And then checking urine pH and ketones. Really get that alkaline urine pH. Push out uric acid. Monitor blood levels of uric acid. That and hemoglobin A1C. So you can monitor your uh, uric acid level and we want it less than less than five. So we really want to get that uric acid level down. Dr. David Perlmutter says less than 4.4 and typically only diagnosed gout when it's above seven or eight. So let's really optimize that uric acid level and, and test that. When you're going in for a blood lab, make sure you get these five tests that I mentioned here. So the uric acid level I've added to my key four, which is the hemoglobin A1C, and we want that less than 5.3. And I've seen someone with a hemoglobin A1C go from 6.0 to 5.4 in a very short time and doing following this plan, following these recommendations, and just understanding that it's not just about our hormones, right? But that's a big part of it. It's a big part of it. It's not just about what we eat. It's not just about our genetics. There's the epigenetics, and it's the, the empowerment of our genes and our genetic composition that we want to take advantage of. So the hemoglobin A1C, vitamin D, HSCRP, and DHEAS, DHEAS is a marker of inflammation, and homocysteine is a marker of methylation. Many diabetics and, and those of us who have a, have a risk factor for cardiovascular disease are poor methylators. I am, like I said, I have the genetics on both sides of my family, both my mom and dad died of consequences of diabetes. And I don't want that to happen to you. CGM stands for continuous glucose monitor. I use that pretty much for a whole year in writing my book, Keto Green 16, because I wanted to make sure the plans kept that blood sugar stable. So when we eat the composition of the food, eating fats and proteins first and carbs later, that keeps your blood sugar nice and even, as well as there's certain supplements that I recommend to help. So continuous glucose monitoring is biohacking at its finest. Your doctor can prescribe it for you and you can get it. It's $80 for two of the glucose, continuous glucose monitors. You don't have to get the physical monitor. If you have a smartphone, you can just, just scan the smartphone onto your monitor and it tells you your blood sugar. It's beautiful. And there's also many finger stick blood tests that you can do and joining a like-minded community, like in my girlfriend, Dr. Club. So that's at dranna.com forward slash club. And these are women and men, but women, especially that I've, I've got a heart for you. This that um, are joining together and doing this together. So you're not alone. And that really does improve compliance all the way around. 
my new book is coming out. You guys get an opportunity to order, get, you know, go to your local bookstore and pre-order menu pause as much as possible. Go to your local bookstore. I'm a book geek. I was a Nancy Drew fan. I, I've read, I don't know, I, by the time I was in fifth grade, I'd already read hundreds of books and I'm just a big fan. So I want to support our local booksellers. But menu pause is available everywhere books are sold. Certainly at your local bookstore, you can pre-order Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, everywhere. This menu pause book is just a beautiful pictorial journey into six, five, um, five, six day menu plans that all do something that really help inspire you to on this journey that it pauses different things. And I would say there's magic in the pause. I'll go through these five plans in a second, but it's only six days to help you break through a plateau, to kickstart you on your journey, to help you discover what your next right step is. My book menu pauses there and it's a, a, a beautiful, there's many color photographs of the recipes and it's just beautiful, well-written. Plus as a first-generation American, I brought in menopause around the world segments, menopause around the world. So what people in different cultures and countries have done to not suffer the menopause that we suffer in America. There are free bonuses when you pre-order menu pause now. When you order menu pause, you'll be able to get these bonuses at my from a link on my website at dranna.com. But these bonuses include the meal plans and servings and a very beautiful pictorial cheat sheet, if you will, batch cooking plan. So if you like to batch cook three, four, five days in a row, this will organize it for you. I had great help from Amy Stafford in doing that. There's a six-day daily journal so you can keep track of your numbers. What you measure gets managed. And that's why I put this journal in here. An outline of the six-day plans, some cooking videos, and a recipe list. You get each of these bonuses in when you order menu pause now and the five different eating plans, each one pausing something different. One is, is more of an autoimmune keto grain plan, really taking out some of the foods that affect our immune system. And another is a carb up plan. Maybe sometimes we need more carbs. So healthy carbing up, again, foods to improve our alkalinity, to improve our digestion and hormone balance. And each and every one of these things help you to figure it out. And then there's the vegan plan in there, the vegetarian vegan plan and, and my keto green extreme plan, as well as more of a carnivorous plan as well. Cause sometimes your body just can't digest all the greens. And so we have to pause. So I have a menu pause quiz too at dranna.com forward slash quiz that you'll be able to take. And when you get the book, we give you all these links too. So don't you worry, but, and you also get a $20 off gift card, um, and you'll get that code sent via email. So to our store again, because of my personal story and my family story, my mom's journey, I mean, she struggled and none of us have to, had I know then what I know now, don't we wish we could all say that? I'm empowering you with what I know now that can make a difference. And I'll share with you how I was able to make this difference when I share with you to close a story about my father. So it's not just for women, but it's for men too. So order while you're ordering menu pause, I'll tell you the story about my father. And so again, remember that you'll get these bonuses, dranna.com forward slash menu pause, order it from wherever you get books, preferably your local bookstore. 
anywhere, just get it and then come back, put your receipt number in and you'll get these bonuses. So to make your journey through many paws, even easier, simpler, and we can all do six day plans, right? We can all do six day plans and really invite you to do them in group and in community with me too. My dad, he was a Navy, American Navy. He went to World War II at age 17. He was born in 1926. At age 79, he came to visit me. And this was a decade after my mom had passed. And he was really struggling. He was really struggling. He was irritable, cranky. And that wasn't my dad. My dad was a naval attache. He could get anyone to talk and laugh. And so I asked him, I said, dad, what's going on? And he goes, Anna, I just don't feel good. He was on about nine medications at the time. I looked at his list and I said, you want me to call your doctor? And so he said, yeah. And I called his doctor and I said, Hey doc, you know, Tad's not doing well. He's, and I listed out his symptoms and I reminded him of what medications he was on. And he said, Anna, your dad's 79 years old. He's lived a good life. Yeah. And he didn't say anything else. I waited for him to, but he didn't say anything else. And I said, okay, well, do you mind if I step in then? Because he was essentially, you could hear, I could visually see him wiping his hands of my father at this point. And so I said, would you mind if I step in? I said, you know, I'm a gynecologist, but I really want to see what I can do while he's here visiting me. And he had come, he flew in from, my dad had flown in from Philadelphia to Savannah to come visit me. He took a wheelchair from the airport because he couldn't walk more than a few steps without getting short of breath. And, and so he was on 120 units of insulin a day, about nine medications. I, he was really struggling. He wasn't feeling good. He was feeling worse and it hurt to get up. And he was just sitting on the couch watching TV and wasn't interacting and just, again, wasn't himself. So I said, okay, dad, um, this is what your doctor said. Are you done? I'm like, are you done living? Are you ready to call it quits? And he goes, no, I'd like to see 80 with a sense of humor. And I'd like to see 80. Ha ha ha. And I'm like, okay. He's like, Anna, really, I don't feel good. I'll do whatever you tell me to. And so I said, okay, I'm going to take away your beer for 30 days. And anyway, in 30 days, he went from sitting on the couch and having to use oxygen when he walked to, and taking 120 units of insulin to losing 30 pounds in, in 30 days and going from 120 units of insulin to 20 units of insulin. This isn't a 79 year old man who'd been on insulin for 30 years. Okay. From 120 units of insulin to 20 units of insulin a day, better blood sugar control than he'd had in decades. And he was out on the tennis court with the kids playing, enjoying himself, laughing. And not only did dad get to see his 80th birthday, but he lived to 91, 91 good years. He got to know his grandkids and they got to know and love him. And then no matter how old you are, don't give up. Don't give up. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. Enjoy your days. Enjoy your moments. I'm here on this journey with you. I'm here to help you. I love being your girlfriend, doctor. Connect with me on social media. Please get menu pause and tell your friends, get five copies. Everyone was going to want this book and do it with a group. Bring community back into your life because that increases oxytocin. That really does increase oxytocin. So Again, thank you for being here with me. Thank you for being along this journey with me. And I'm here to help you. I want to just emphasize, I promised a little geeking. That's it. I've given you some helpful tips. Get keto green. Let's do intermittent fasting. Let's watch our markers. Let's get rid of uric acid, increase our urine pH 
test, don't guess, check your key blood markers, get menu pause, start working the plan and lifestyle with a good community. And you're going to see changes that are empowering. I want to share some of this research as I promised I would if you want. So from Virgin Pulse, diabetes, the worldview, 463 million have diabetes with estimated 760 billion in health till cost. And then the whole thing about pre-diabetes, like I mentioned. So we have to make healthy lifestyle changes because we know it can lower the risk of developing type 2 diabetes. But what's really important is that can reverse we can see it reverse. So empowering your genetics, because we know you have survival genes. And then research from the CDC looks at diabetes and women and, and why it's so important to understand the additional risk factors. Women are more likely to get yeast and urinary tract infections, menstrual cycle changes, and, and just looking at the commentary in the Center for Diabetes. From PubMed, Prevalence of Optimal Metabolic Health in American Adults, a survey over 2009 to 2016 was just published and in 2019. And so looking that even though their guidelines for metabolically healthy is not exactly metabolically healthy, so we can do better. In my girlfriend, doctor community, we're going to raise the bar for us. And that raises the bar for everyone around us. More research in the Journal of Menopause on Association of Menopause and Type 2 Diabetes concluded the prevalence of type 2 diabetes is high among women in postmenopause status might be a stable and significant risk factor for type 2 diabetes mellitus, especially postmenopausal women with normal weight should not be ignored in addressing this risk. So if you're normal weight, you need to look at glucose and insulin. And we need to look at those markers I mentioned. And cardiovascular risk factors for women, it's really critical to know that hypertension is more prevalent in men until the age of 59, but then contributes to greater morbidity in older women. In other words, more problems in older women. So gender-specific risk for cardiovascular disease has led to national campaigns to educate women. And because of my personal history and my family history, and, and I didn't mention my hemoglobin A1C is... 5.1 right now, it goes between 4.8 to 5.1. I've been as low as 4.8. A decade ago, I was at 5.7 pre-diabetes. So from the Diabetes Council, Menopause and Diabetes asked, does menopause cause diabetes? It's with the loss of the protective hormones that contributes to that and becoming more insulin resistant as we get older. Our genetics are designing us for survival, the wise women of the tribe. Let's be the wise, quirky, fun, bold, brave, colorful women, right? Let's be that. Let's be the girlfriends. All right. And then looking at polycystic ovarian syndrome and Alzheimer's disease, uh, this was published in Reproductive Health recently in 2021. And resulted, the results showed that in patients with polycystic ovarian syndrome, increased LH to FSH ratio, which is part of the diagnosis, and as well as insulin, you don't have to be insulin resistant to have PCOS, nor do you have to have polycystic ovaries to have PCOS. But in patients with that, an increased LH to FSH ratio, decreased vitamin D, insulin resistant, and obesity are some of the most important factors that may increase the risk of Alzheimer's disease. Bilateral oophorectomy and the risk of incident diabetes in 
postmenopausal women. I showed you those graphs. This was published in by the American Diabetes Association and Diabetes Care. Uric acid and diabetes. This is the author manuscript, Dr. Johnson, from Health and Human Service Public Access, published in the European Journal for Internal Medicine 2016. This should be front page news by Dr. Richard Johnson, really pioneering this finding showed the uric acid and diabetes risk, that hyperuricemia, that high levels of uric acid. And we want the blood level of uric acid to be really low, again, below 4.4. Add in when you're getting menopause, add in drop acid by Dr. David Perlmutter. <laughs> Excellent book. Um, and so hyperuricemia has been linked with diabetes since the 1800s and was associated with metabolic syndrome by early 1920s. And this just blows your mind, right? This information is out there, but we even took it out of standard blood tests because we were only looking for uric acid in, in gout. But hyperuricemia is attributed as a secondary consequence to insulin resistance historically, but recent studies suggest it's a causal role. So the higher the uric acid, the higher purine containing foods, uric acid producing foods, the, and that's certainly part of our keto food. So that's why integrating the plant-based and checking your pH is a critical component of the keto green way and getting into ketosis through healthy intermittent fasting. So all of those comes through. They looked at a study of 5,000 young adults and found that baseline elevated serum uric acid predicted the onset of both diabetes and insulin resistance significantly. So much more, right? There's so much more to this than we knew. There's so much more than we knew. So uh, cardiovascular risk associated with gender and aging from Journal of Cardiovascular um, Diseases looking at insulin and growth hormone, IGF-1 axis. And what's very fascinating is that the more insulin resistant we are, it's not just diabetes, it's a hormone disruptor. It's a hormone disruptor. And so we're finding this, that excess insulin and stimulation of um, IGF-1, insulin growth factor 1 receptor due to sustained and chronic hyperinsulinemia, high levels of insulin, over the therapeutic level required to overtake acute chronic insulin resistance may act as an endocrine disruptor as it may possibly increase the cardiovascular risk in the short and medium term and mitogenic proliferative action in the long term. In other words, cancerous actions in the long term. In conclusion, normal IGF-1 may be hypothesized, hypothesized to be a good marker of appropriate insulin treatment of the subject with diabetes and may integrate and make more robust the message coming from hemoglobin A1C in terms of prediction of cardiovascular risk. So it's not enough if you're on insulin to make sure you have a healthy hemoglobin A1C, but you want to be ideally off insulin or on as little additional insulin as you, as you can be. And I think that's, again, that's really a critical finding because we're giving high dose insulin to diabetics sometimes. So either what our body's producing naturally and, and, or what we're taking in, in insulin requiring diabetes. So, and then dietary patterns. So research supporting my keto green approach, so to speak, and other low carbohydrate diets and insulin, there's a lot of, um, questions about this in, with nutritionists and dietitians. But the research is really clear. So I'm just going to page through this. The American Diabetes Association recognized a low-carbohydrate eating pattern as an effective approach in patients with diabetes. 
Despite this, evidence-based low-carbohydrate diets are not reflected in the, in the diabetic um, dietary guidelines for Americans, and it really needs to be. So low-carbohydrates, like no grains, reducing fructose. Fructose increases uric acid, so all sugars and fruit sugars, and especially fructose, high-fructose corn syrup. Detrimental, those are your sodas, and it sneaks into so many things. This is published in um, Nutrients, and this is available on PubMed. The ketogenic diet, evidence for optimism, but high-quality research needed. Let me tell you, my keto, men and women are different. Men tend to do uh, ketogenic diets more sustainably than women, let's say. Women, we really, but it's the missing piece in, in this plan is the alkalinization, and that is the plant-based foods to help your body manage the foods we're getting, but men have 10 times as much testosterone as women. We go into a catabolic set breakdown state a lot quicker than men because we don't have the 10 times testosterone and the quality ketosis comes from not just the diet we're eating, but those other lifestyle habits. We want to become more insulin sensitive, reduce, um, insulin, become more again, by insulin sensitivity, reduce circulating blood sugar, get into ketosis. And so through intermittent fasting and high quality proteins, good fats and high fibers, but low carbohydrate, low sugar fibers, and that makes the difference. So this research shows that there's favorable results in management, managing diabetes. So ketogenic diets appear to be more effective than low fat diets for the treatment of obesity and diabetes. In addition to the reductions in blood glucose and insulin achievable through carbohydrate restriction, chronic ketosis may confer unique metabolic benefits of relevance to cancer, neurodegenerative conditions, and other diseases associated with insulin resistance. That's huge right? That's what we want to see. We want to turn. And unfortunately, we didn't have this research during my mom's illness in the 80s. It was all low fat movement. It detrimental. I saw her spiral, was able to see and help my patients turn around with this approach. Again, working with those alkalinizers, detox, modified elimination diets, removing food sensitivity. It's step by step. These are key things. And then here's another study looking at low carbohydrate diets published in Diabetes, Obesity, and Metabolism, Journal of, and it showed the effects of an energy-restricted low-carbohydrate diet in type 2 diabetes. And this was a randomized two-year control study, which concluded that the uh, low-carbohydrate sustained greater reduction in diabetes medication requirements. And I see this all the time. And also improvements in diurnal blood glucose, that is blood sugars, and blood lipid profile with no adverse kidney effects, suggesting greater optimization of type 2 diabetes management. So it's a safe, reliable, tested. And this I wanted to pull up because it, this is looking at COVID-19 severity and delayed recovery. This was recently published and it's kind of interesting in the animal study. And it concluded that we observed increased weight loss and lung pathology such as exudates, vasculitis, hemorrhage, fibrin and edema, delayed viral clearance, and functional lung recovery, and prolonged viral shedding. So in so this is for 
the um, detrimental impact of a continuous high fat, high sugar diet on COVID-19 outcome. So switch to keto green this way, switch to low carbohydrate, high quality protein, high quality fats. I mean, that is essential. So getting rid of the sugar, this study shows the effect of the severity and delayed recovery and increased long hauler syndrome, so to speak. Um, so, and then looking at fasting, mimicking diets and markers, risk for aging, diabetes, cancer, and cardiovascular disease, working through some extended fasting just shows that fasting, mimicking and low calorie fasting, mimicking diets can decrease the incidence of diseases such as cancer and multiple sclerosis in animal model study. And then I talked about in the presentation, endocrine disrupting chemicals in biomedicines in 2020, looked at several endocrine disrupting chemicals and specifically how that can affect obesity in children. And that included the phthalates, the uh, PFAs, and those are the nonstick surfaces, fast food packaging, fire resistant clothing, things like that, BPAs, that's your uh, bisphosphonates. So then plastics and resins, the receipt paper is very common. Triclosan is another one that's in uh, with hand um, sanitizers. So you want to make sure you're not using that. And then to continue about endocrine disruptors, there's so many endocrine disruptors. And this is the work by Dr. David Palmetter on that is highlighting the work from Richard Johnson on uric acid at Dr. At David Palmutter, MD, a great website and information. And his podcast is excellent. This is some of the original work by Rick Johnson, Richard Johnson, MD, on the metabolic effects of fruto fructose. This is a great resource too in the Dr. Peter Adia's podcast as well. There's additional research published looking at safety in, in, of low-carbohydrate diets in type 2 diabetes at a one-year study. And it looked, it concluded that the results demonstrate that um, a novel metabolic and continuous remote care model can support adults with type 2 diabetes and improve hemoglobin A1c. And this was in a um, low carbohydrate, higher fat, high quality protein model. So very, uh, very similar to keto green model. And then urine alkalinization, what I talked about urine pH can facilitate uric acid excretion. So again, the foods we eat help to push out uric acid, the plant-based foods, lower purine containing foods, and that balance of it, right? The balance of it all. And that's why I'm such a big proponent of you being empowered, checking your biomarkers, what gets measured gets managed, test don't guess. This is really important. This research was published in the Nutrition Journal. So all of these um, pieces to the puzzle, again, this just additional research as a benefit and a quick reminder to go get my book, Menu Pause. And, and we're in this, we're in this together. There's um, so much to share with you. And I want to thank you for being in my community and being here with me and as I'm here to help. So Again, I love being your girlfriend, doctor. Please don't hesitate to email my team with any questions, team at drannacabeca.com. We are here to help and on, on your journey. So no matter what you've been diagnosed with, what your genetic potential is, we, we know like there's a next right step for you. So thank you for being with me today. Be sure to share this 
tell your friends about it, share this information. Sometimes you haven't gotten this information from your doctor. It's very rare to see all this put together. So I wanted to bring it to you. I'm passionate about this in, in love and honor of my parents and in honor of my girlfriend doctor community and and in honor of every one of you listening to this, women, men, for your children, for your parents, for your sisters, for your brothers, for your girlfriends and boyfriends. Here we go. Thank you guys. Thanks for being here. I know I gave you a lot of information in this masterclass and I really do want to empower you. And I share the stories of my mother and father as your girlfriend doctor, because family history is important. I recently surveyed my audience and I asked them, what did your mom tell you about menopause? And I got a hundred (laughs) percent unanimous answer. And the answer was, can you guess it? Nothing nothing. We're not having this conversation. I really know that with my book, Menopause, we can start having this conversation. We can have this conversation around the dinner table. We can do this together with those we love, with our children, with our friends, with our mothers, if, if you're blessed to have your mom still alive. And what does that menopausal journey look like? And how can we have fun using food as, men, as medicine? I want to do that with you Get menu pause and share it with your friends. Make someone smile with this book and it will really change your life. Health, variety, excellent recipes, food as medicine, great conversation, and let there be so much love and light at your table. The Girlfriend Doctor community, I want you to feel nourished, feel full, right? With love with energy, with unlimited potential. I want you to shine inside out. I want you to awaken your mind to all your potential and embrace, embrace yourself and your accomplishments and feel loved from others around you. Give that love back in spades, 10X, right? So thank you for being here with me. Please, I'm honored for you to get Menu Pause and review it at Amazon, anywhere you got the book. And definitely join me in the Keto Green community and the Girlfriend Doctor community as we share the menopause, menu pause journey together and some of these recipe plans with our audience in community. And when we do things in community, we do things better. We help others and we're not alone. And someone always asks a question that you needed to hear the answer to. So share this um, podcast on diabetes and prediabetes. And please ask me anything. There's no such thing as TMI. Till next time. <music>